Hey, welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by CloudSpot, the easiest way to deliver and sell your photos online. I am your photography podcast host, Raymond Hadfield, and each week you will learn tips and tricks from me and some of the world's best photographers on how you can use your camera to capture more compelling moments. Now, today we have an interview from the BPP Vault. After years of putting out podcast interviews and releasing hundreds of episodes, well, we've built up a rich library of gold photo nuggets. So these curated rewind episodes allow new photographers to discover the timeless info that has helped countless photographers over the years and allow those longtime listeners to revisit and hear an episode with fresh ears and more experience to draw from. So in today's BPP Rewind, we are chatting about getting to know your camera. This one's a little bit more intimate, right? Sometimes it feels like when you have that camera, it can just be a mystery box, right? That does what you want sometimes, but then others, well, who knows, right? So in this episode, I'm going to break down three ways that you can get to know your camera better so that you can capture photos closer to your vision. Let's get into it. The cameras that we have can be pretty complicated tools. There can be a lot of buttons and settings and dials and playback modes. And we got to learn about lenses and apertures and all these additional things, right? It's not as simple as, you know, as, as it is on a phone where we just open up the camera app, we take a photo, and we're done. We get into photography because we want to be able to take better photos. We want to be able to control the scene in front of us. We want to uh, visualize, you know, we want to turn what we visualize in our heads into an image that, that we see and that we love and that we created, that we created. We want to take the power of a camera. We want to tell the camera what to do. And then we want to have an incredible image come out of that. That's kind of where that power of photography comes from, because without a paintbrush, without a, uh, you know, a, a pencil and a sketch pad, without clay that you're molding, without glass or ceramics that you're firing, without all of those things, we're still able to create and and share our visions with the world, right? That is, that is one of the most powerful things about photography. But before you can get to that point, you got to know your tool. And for us photographers, the tool is a camera. We got cameras. Cameras are fun. I love cameras. There's a, there's a lot of um, fun things to think about cameras. First of all, uh, I started photography with a, uh, uh, well, technically, I started photography with my dad's uh, 1986 Pentax K1000 and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't really get into it at that point. Uh, you know, I had taken some photos or whatever, but uh, it wasn't until I had switched to uh, the Canon XT, which I believe came out in 2005, 2006. And this thing was not very capable as a camera. But uh, what I was looking for was, uh, you know, while I was in film school, a way to continually practice uh, training my eye to be able to see exposure and be able to kind of read the light with my eyes and then capture it uh, without you know, having to go into too much detail and, you know, get out the light meter and do all these things. I just wanted to kind of keep sharp, right? And that camera, the camera was okay, you know, 
Um, I remember I was excited for the camera. I was excited for the possibilities of the camera, but the camera itself, it just didn't, it, it felt kind of plasticky, um, because it was a plastic camera. It was, um, I don't know. It just didn't feel like the right tool. It didn't feel like I was going to be able to, uh, capture what it was that I saw. And I guess I don't really know where I'm going with this, but part of photography is, Truly getting to know the tool that you have and also loving the tool that you have. And I don't think that we talk about this enough. When I had upgraded at some point to the, this must have been 2011, to the uh, Canon 5D Mark II. So the Canon 5D Mark II was a full frame camera. It had the magnesium alloy body or, you know, construction, whatever. It was like made out of metal under the, under the, uh, uh, the black coating of a camera. And I remember the first time that I picked up that camera and I thought to myself, this feels like a tool. This feels real. Like I'm going to do some damage with this. You know what I mean? Like I'm about to put this thing to work. And I've said this plenty of times before. Um, you know, the gear really does not matter nearly as much as, you know, what's in front of it and what you do with the camera itself. But there is something to be said to be using a camera that, that, that truly feels right to you, that feels like, like you're in the right spot and you're doing the right thing. And uh, because when it gets you in that mode, when it gets you in that mindset, you think a little bit differently. You think about the shots that you want to take. The, the, the possibility for photos that you could capture becomes larger. This whole world of photography seems to open up a little bit better because now the lines or the, um, there's less of a divide between your creative vision and being able to capture it when you're using the right tool. So, Maybe you're not at the spot right now where you're able to uh, upgrade, you know, get that quote unquote right tool, but just know that when you get there, you're going to know right away. You're going to hold it in your hands and you're going to think, yes, this is it. This is it. But the next step after that, you know, for me right here, I got my, uh, my Fuji X100V and I would say that as much as I love this camera, the the I think that the Fuji X Pro 2 feels more me. It feels closer suited to to me as a shooter. Um but they are they're they're just different cameras and they have little quirks and, and that's part of the beauty of photography as well, is that we find quirks in our photos and we like them. A little happy accidents, as Bob Ross would say. But then also, you know, when it comes to cameras, they're going to deliver the same product if you use them correctly, but it's just the way in which you get that product may be a little bit different. But you need to know how to use your tool. So today we're talking about how to get to know your camera. We're getting to know our cameras. So uh, this is this is something really important because, again, if you don't know what you're doing with your camera, if you don't know how to use your camera and all of its goodness, then you're just hurting yourself in the in the type of photos and the quality of photos that you'll be able to capture because you're just doing what you know and not what you could do. So I hope that, that makes sense. So today I'm going to break down three 
ideas, three um, simple things that we can do to get to know our cameras. So let's talk about number one. Number one is one that uh, you've probably heard before, but you've also probably never done, which is to read your camera's owner's manual. They come in every single camera, unless you bought it used and you don't have it, in which case you can find these online. You can find PDFs for free online from the manufacturer's website. So there's truly no reason why you should not at least look in your camera's owner's manual. And why? Well, this right here is the owner's manual for my Fuji X-Pro2. And on it, there's a, there's a nice little list right here off to the side of everything that's inside. And let me let me read that to you real quick. So obviously, there's a before you begin. There's a first steps with your camera, basic photography and playback with your camera, basic movie recording and playback with your camera, the quick menu buttons, the function buttons, more photography and playback modes, menus, connections, technical notes, troubleshooting, and the appendix. That is a lot to cover in this camera. So, and I mean, if you look at this thing, I don't know how many pages it says. Let me see if I can find out real quick. It's more than 100. We're at 150. Wait, it's 157 pages all about the information on how to best use your camera. Now I get it. We can be, as photographers, very creative-minded and very or visually minded. And the idea of sitting down to read 157 pages of technical notes about a camera sounds terrible. It literally sounds like one of the worst things I could ever want to do with my time in photography. I get that. I totally understand that. But the the manuals of today are I think I think that they're built for today. I don't think that these are as technical as you may think. They're not written by well, I mean they probably are written by, you know, the camera scientists who put these things together. But I think that these camera manuals are also written with the photographer in mind, whereas they probably weren't I don't know, 10 years ago. Today it feels like they are. So the questions that you probably have are going to be in this manual. Now, if you're just getting started in photography, again, it is really important to read the manual right here. So we'll just go inside. And of course, there's things like, you know, don't throw the battery in the trash. And this is what a battery looks like. And here's how you put it in. And here's what a body cap is. And I get that, you know. And then, but there's also, we can't see this, but there's a technical drawing of your camera along with a bunch of numbers pointing to each button. And it tells you what each one of those buttons do. And I'll tell you what, on a camera like a Fuji, on the Fuji system, there's no markings on the camera. It's just, here's a button, press it and find out what happens. And sometimes you don't know what it does. You really don't know what it does. So for my X-Pro2 here, there is a button. I never knew what it was, but it is, you know, when you press it, it says that it is a bright frame simulation display button. I don't know what that means, but I bet that the manual will tell me. And guess what? It says that it's on page 30. Let's go to page 30 and find out what this does, because I bet this is something that I can use in my business. 
the bright frame simulation. The angle of view covered by the frame of the OVF display varies with the focal length of the lens. Pressing a function button by default, function button 2, displays a bright frame simulation that shows the area covered by the bright frame at different focal lengths. See, that's really good to know because with the X-Pro2, it is a rangefinder-style camera, so you're looking through just a piece of glass to look out into the world, but when you change lenses, your view doesn't change, which can be difficult sometimes to take photos because if you have a really telephoto lens and you're looking through the rangefinder glass, if you're looking on YouTube like this, it it's not going to... It doesn't zoom in. This... This viewfinder doesn't zoom in. So if you change lenses, you need to know what area of that frame within here is going to uh, uh, accurately represent what lens you are shooting with. So this button right here tells you, oh, if you're shooting with a with a 24 or with a, uh, with a 50, go ahead and use this button and change so that you can have a better field of view so that you know exactly what you are going to be shooting. That is very helpful. That is very helpful. And something that if I had not read the camera manual would just be a lot of guess and check. And maybe this is something that you don't have to run into. In fact, if you're not shooting with a Fuji X Pro or an X100 series camera, then you'll never probably run into that that exact issue. But the point is, if you don't know what a button does, you should learn about it so that you can better take photos. And your camera manual is going to be full of stuff like this. So I'm going to give you a real-world example real quick. So I've always been of the of the mind that, you know, photography for me, I want photography to look natural. I want photography to, to be true to life. And I want to put my signature on photography through composition and framing, right? The way that I, I frame an image and the way that it's composed, um, I want it to be a little unique, not something traditional. I don't want it to be, you know, at, at you know, five, eight eye level, just shooting the rest of the world. I want my camera to be either higher or a little bit lower or something like that. But as far as the technical will go, I want everything to be Meat and potatoes, aperture, expo- or aperture, shutter speed, and ISO. Just exposure. That's what I want to do. So for the longest time, that's, that's what I did. And did I like my photos? Yeah, I, I'm happy with my photos. I like them. I go to a wedding. That's how I shoot. They're happy with it. I'm happy with it. Score, right? Found a, found a style that I like. Found a style that I'm happy with. But when I, when I moved from Canon over to Fuji probably closer to the start of this podcast, which is crazy to think about six years or so ago. One thing that Fuji is really well known for is their film simulations. So there's a bunch of, you know, you could think of it as like presets that are built into the camera so that when you take a photo, Fuji's vast knowledge of film from the film days and color space and tones, they apply to a film simulation so that when you take a photo, it looks closer to what that specific film simulation would be. So this is some of their most popular film stocks. And you can do that um, within the menus. So they have classic Chrome. Um, they have Velvia, Provia. And these are like film stocks that you could, 
I don't know if you can still buy those film stocks, but you could go out in the, you know, in the past and buy those film stocks. So now you have a way of, of capturing a photo that looks close to a film stock that maybe you liked a lot. And I thought that that was really cool. Well, immediately I fell in love with a classic Chrome film simulation. It's beautiful and it just seems to work in every setting, everyday settings. It's just a little bit, it's, it's a little bit more contrasty. It's a little bit more vibrant. Um, and I just love it. So for the past four years, five years, I've been shooting in nothing but classic Chrome. That was it. I never even really ventured out into any of the other film stocks that they have built into the camera. Well, as you can imagine, as more people move to Fuji, as more people um, share their thoughts about Fuji online and things that they can do, I started seeing more and more people posting like film simulation recipes online where you can take this list of settings from highlights, shadows, clarity, uh, color, sharpness, uh, and even the film simulation itself, and then put all these together into a into a recipe for a different film stock. Well, one of my favorite film stocks uh, that I started off with really early was Kodak T-Max 3200. And it's a very contrasty film, and it's grainy, and it's gritty, and it looks raw. And even when you use it in, like, bright sunlight, it just has this texture to it that feels real. And I, I love that. And in digital photography... Nobody's going to put that into a camera. Everybody's so obsessed with like removing grain and, you know, uh, clarity and all these things that they're never going to turn that film stock into a into a digital preset. And yet, if you bring your photo into a computer, guess what? You're going to have access to it and you're going to be able to use it and it's going to look really cool. But I've. I, I don't want to spend any more time in front of the computer than what I have to, right? And that includes editing. When it comes to editing, I want to get in, I want to get out, I want to be done because I want my edits to be simple. I want my edits to look natural. I don't want my edits to be over the top. And therefore, I'm probably not going to experiment with things like that, you know, when it comes to presets. So why would I, why would I do that? So seeing others in the Fuji community post information about film recipes got me really interested because I thought, you know, it could be cool every once in a while to go out and shoot in a different style, in a different mode to kind of keep myself on my toes and see if there's anything new that I like in photography. But I couldn't figure out how to do it because I didn't want to go into my settings every single time and think, ooh, yeah, for this shot, I want to shoot it, you know, really contrasty. I want that 3200 look. I want it really grainy. I want it gross, you know. And I didn't want to have to go into my settings and change, I mean, everything from, uh, let's see, from grain effect to color chrome effect to blue effect, white balance, dynamic range, uh, range priority, tone curve, color, sharpness, noise reduction, clarity, uh, color space. Pick, like I didn't want to have to deal with any of these things every time I took a photo. I want my images to be to be uh, an extension of me. I want it to feel natural. I don't want to have to go in and like, boop, 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 boop. Hold on a second. I just got to change these few more steps. Boop, boop, boop. You know, and then like wait for it. And then the moment is just gone. I don't want to do that. So you know what I did? 
pulled up my... That's right, my owner's manual right here. To look inside to see if I can find an answer to my problem. Let's do that again. I, I loved that sound. Wait for it. Uh-huh, and right there. Found it. On the page that I was looking for. Look at that. And it just so happened to be that with Fuji and other camera manufacturers as well. However, I don't know how to get there because I don't have owner's manuals for cameras that I don't own. Um, you can create almost a uh, an in-camera preset for your settings. So now, and you can make a bunch of them. I think that you can make, let's see, how many can you make? You can make s at least seven different um, um, camera presets that will automatically, for me, change for like whatever situation that I'm in. <laughs> So obviously I can create, I can use these film recipes and create different looks. So now I just have to press one button called my quick menu. And in there, it's like, oh, what, like what, what base do you want to use? Do you want to use base one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven? So if I change it to one, I call that Ektar 100 because that's another film stock that I like. And what does it do? It changes Color space, highlights, tones. It lets me choose which um, film simulation it is that I wanted to use and then adjust from there. And then I can also change things like my autofocus mode, my white balance, how my shutter works, whether it's mechanical or whether it's um, an electronic shutter. And then I can also like preset it so that the flash is always on, uh, shooting TTL, and you know just create a really really unique look. So when you get comfortable with these types of looks, now you can almost see a scene in front of you and think, "Ooh, for this shot, I want to use that Ektar 100 um, simulation that I have in my camera." And now I can press. I can obviously the camera's on. I press quick menu. I turn the dial once to base preset one. Half press the shutter, it's ready to go. And then just like that, I just took a photo. And then without even looking at the camera, because you get used to it, you press the Q menu again, you go all the way down, and then you rotate it backwards to C7, that's for me. And then, once again, you take a photo. Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. And that's it. Now, I just took two different photos. One, bright, vibrant, colorful. The other one, dark grungy, dirty, right? Within, I don't know, I mean, you could do that within three seconds of each other without having to go deep into your menus and have to change your settings every time. You can save these. 
I would consider more of like a user preset, but it's uh, it's like a quick menu, right, for you to go in and, and save these things. And now I have a series of looks that I like, maybe for more personal work, maybe for photographing the kids, maybe for going out and doing sports photography or just like some landscape stuff, you know. I can create those different looks in camera and just fire away without even thinking about it, without even having to go into my menu system and change a bunch of things. And the only way that I would have ever figured out how to do that, one, was to be inspired by seeing everybody post their Fuji recipes online. Um, But two, by looking through my owner's manual. So I urge you. Please, please, please. If you want, never mind. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to say please for this. If, if you want to be a photographer, you have to know the tools that you want to use. You have to know the tools that you want to use. And to do that, who better to learn from than from the manufacturer itself who made the camera? So if you want to be a better photographer, Start by reading the manual. You're going to learn a ton of different things. Do it with your camera by your side so that you can like actually go through and press the buttons and say, oh, wow, that's how that works. That's how you do it. So that was number one. The number one way to get to know your camera is to just simply read the manual. It's kind of a crazy concept, but uh, I, think, I think that you are all smart enough to realize the power of it. Okay, number two. On this three-part series of how to know how to get to use your camera. That sounded bad. This three-part series on getting to know your camera. There you go. So number two is just to spend time with the camera. That's it. First part, you educate yourself with that manual. Second part, you get your hands on that camera and you spend some time together and you shoot with it. Now, when we talk about just shooting... There, it, I mean, you could just go out and you could just shoot things, you know, you could just take photographs and that's it. Or you can shoot with intention. Now, personally, I think that it's better to shoot with intention because when you get a photo that you really like, that was all you, all you. And it wasn't any part of the camera or anything. So shooting with intention in this part where we're going to spend some time with our camera shooting means... You need to learn two different things. You need to learn, you need to, you need to learn the camera itself. So you need to become familiar with the camera, the buttons, the settings, the, you know, if something goes wrong and it's not working, why not? You got to know those things. And then two is the technical side of things. All right. So when it comes to being familiar with your camera, that's kind of the first spot right so we can go into um our manual right here right we 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 learned all the information that we needed and now we just go out and we think to ourselves okay so um if i wanted to photograph like if i was just walking around and oh there's a bird right there i want to photograph that bird right so you take your camera how like what's the most efficient way that you can change your settings? What would be the the most important settings that you would need to change? And how do you change them quick to be able to capture that bird in flight, right? How would you go ahead and do that? 
these are the things that you need to be familiar with. These are the things that you're going to get familiar with. So when you're out, and sometimes this just takes some fumbling around, right? Where is the uh, ISO button? Oh, okay, here it is. I'm going to change that to um, 400. Now I realize that, you know, if you're going through this and a bird's flying over, it's probably gone by this point. But it's always still good practice to see how fast you can do it. Okay, so then I know that I'm probably going to want to go to uh, like F8 because, you know, you want a nice, uh, it, this for one, this guy is very bright and you got to stop down. And then for two, uh, you, you you know, you don't want to shoot this thing at F1.4 and have the bird, even if it's, you know, properly, even if the focus point nails it, it's still out of focus because it's moving so fast away. So you want to use F8 to have a better depth of field and you want a continuous autofocus mode. So you're going to change that and then got it. Cool. Awesome. All right. So now we're walking and um, let's see. Uh, somebody's uh, now we're walking in like a little little, uh, you know, nature path and there's a canopy of trees over us. So you're probably going to want an aperture of like F2.8 maybe to let in more light because of how much the trees have blocked out. And since we're just walking kind of like a nice, um, you know, since there is still technically plenty of light, we're going to go down to, I don't know, ISO 200. That seems about Right, and then uh, I'm going to change my shutter speed to one two fiftieth of a second. And I'm going to take a photo right here. Oh no, still a little bit too bright. I'm actually going to go down on my ISO to to just one hundred, and cool, that looks good. Now this is just kind of like my everyday walk around for this type of light right here. Awesome. So spending some time and getting out and like really getting to know and becoming familiar with your camera and its settings is going to be incredibly important because again. There are times where, you know, something happens in front of your camera and you weren't expecting it and you want to be able to capture it. This is typically kids or this is, you know, pets or there's something going on outside. And you need to know the tool that you're using to be able to quickly change your settings. And when it comes to, you know, all the exposure settings, aperture, ISO, shutter speed, typically camera manufacturers make it relatively easy to change those things uh, without having to look into the manual of your camera, but there will be other things like, you know, autofocus performance, autofocus modes, um, you know, just, just things like that. Like, how do you get to those types of settings? Like, what if you want to record a quick little movie? Do you have to go into the settings for that? These are the things that you need to know. And these things happen inside of your camera menu. So that's where you got to figure these things out. That's, this is where you need to become familiar with your camera. See what situations work best in what types of things. Essentially, essentially that's, that's how that works right there. Okay, so the next part of this, we're still on number two, right? Getting familiar with your camera and spending time out um, and shooting. So the first part of that is being familiar with the camera, the buttons, kind of how to use it, just getting comfortable with it in your hands so that it doesn't feel like, you know, super fragile because it's not. Even if you have like an entry-level camera, they're pretty rugged, you know. Maybe don't go scuba diving with it, but don't – it doesn't need to be fully padded and protected and because the more things that get in the way, the less you're going to be shooting because it's going to be, you know, kind of cumbersome. So the next part that we need to take care of is things like – the technical. It's the technical side. We get familiar with our cameras. Now we need to know the technical side of our cameras. So this is more of a a clinical type um, exercise, I suppose. 
getting to know our cameras and the technical side of it, each camera is going to be different. What I mean by that is, you know, that that Canon XT that I had back in 2006 I I would not go over ISO 100 because it was just terrifying because of I mean there would be so much noise in the image that it would almost always be unusable. So that means that the camera was very limited in, you know, the types of shooting situations that I could be in. Now, later on, I upgraded to a Canon 40D, and then I was happy shooting at ISO 1600. That was a full extra stop of light. And then I went to the 5D Mark II, and then I could shoot at 3200. And that was another additional stop of light that I could use at my disposal. Now, I know that the ISO range on these cameras go up much higher, much, much, much higher. But I'm looking for a usable image to my standards. So how do I figure that out? Well, it's not just guess and check. <laughs> it's not you're at a wedding. Oh, let's see if I can shoot it. I don't know. ISO 8000 and see if it works because you're going to be, you know, sorely mistaken. You're probably not going to be able to do that because um, you're going to find that you're going to have some pretty bad images that you're not happy with. So the only way to figure that out is to do the testing now before you get into a situation where you have to second guess yourself. So the easiest way to do that is obviously there are um there are there are really the well there's really three things that you're going to be testing out. One's going to be your aperture and sharpness, lens sharpness. The other one's going to be ISO performance, and then the last one is going to be um what were we just oh autofocus, right? Autofocus. Um and how it performs as well. So the first thing that you can do, um, the first two, you can just use a tripod to set up and, you know, take these images and capture them for yourself. So I recommend getting your camera on a tripod, pointing it at like, you know, a, a t having a table set up and then having an object set up in front of your camera. So this can be something like I like to use. First of all, I always have chapstick around and chapstick has very, very small words on it. So I like to use that because that becomes a good judge of image sharpness. So if you 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 put this you know, thing of chapstick or something with small, intricate details um, about a foot or so away from your camera. You open up your aperture all the way. So in my case with this uh, Fuji X100V, that would be F2, an aperture of F2. And then the camera would be set up on a tripod. The shutter speed would be automatic because I don't need to adjust the shutter speed. I just want it to be properly exposed. I'm not trying to take photos with intention here. I'm just trying to test out image sharpness, right? So I put the camera in aperture priority, set the aperture to F2, camera's on a tripod, take a photo, chapstick, click. Okay, cool. And then I take, I also set your camera on a timer so that the act of you pressing the button on your camera doesn't shake the camera enough to impact the image sharpness, right? So set like a two second timer. You take the photo. Okay, that was good. And then change it to F2.8. Take the same photo. Okay, that was good. Go up to F4. That was good. One, two, three. That's F5.6. Take the photo and take it all the way up until like as high as your lens goes. So in my case for the uh, X100V here, that's F16. So now what do we do with all those photos? Well, one, you take those into your computer and if you don't already have a good understanding of how aperture works, you're going to be able to see the depth of field increase, which is very cool. But also you're going to be looking for image sharpness. How sharp is now, sometimes it's hard to see, you know, you pick up a thing of chapstick or whatever, but there are tiny particles of dust on it, or there might be um, 
fingerprints. I see fingerprints on this um, chapstick right here. So you want to be able to see if you can see those those small intricate details, and then you want to see if those small details get better or worse as you get higher in your aperture range. So I have found that for this camera, between f2.8 and 5.6, maybe even f8, are kind of those sweet spots, right? So if in any situation I can go out and be anywhere from f2.8 to f8, I'm going to be happy with the images that I'm going to get in terms of sharpness. At f11 and f16, I get what they call diffraction, which is where light kind of, it's where light has a hard time getting in the opening of the lens itself and sometimes can scatter a bit. It's just not as, as sharp. And then at f2, while I do think that it's sharp enough for like web resolution and stuff, it's, um, it's not so much for print. It can be a little bit shallow for for print and just not as sharp as I would like it to be on the edges. So therefore, I know that in between F2 or F2.8 and F8 itself. So that's F2.8, F4, F5.6, and then F8. All those photos, I'm going to have usable images if I need to print those photos. So for something like a wedding, right? Cool. Now I know that aspect of the technical side of my camera. As I said, the other thing is going to be ISO, right? So take that same uh, situation with a chapstick or whatever in front of your camera, open up your aperture all the way. So in my case, F2, because in this case, we're not testing lens sharpness. We're just testing uh, ISO performance and the amount of grain that we see in the out of focus backgrounds. All right. So I'm going to shoot it at my lowest um ISO setting, which is 160, then I'm going to go up to 200, 250, 320, 400, 500, 640, 800, 1000, 1250, 1600, 2000, 2500, 3200, 4000, 5000, 6400, 8000, 10,000, 12,800. I'm going to photograph that same chapstick at all of those ISO settings. And what's the point of that? What, what am I what am I trying to learn here? Well, we can test the again. We're looking for the uh, uh, how much uh, apparent grain or how clean an image looks for you. So you take all those photos, you bring them into your computer. You look, you go into the out of focus background of your image because when you have chapstick focused up real, real nice and close to the camera. Let's see if you're watching on YouTube here. Let's see, let's see if it'll focus on the chapstick. Now my face is completely out of focus, and the background is even more out of focus. And then when I come in focus, because I remove the chapstick, now the background is even a little bit in focus as well. So the closer that a subject is to your lens, the more out of focus your background is going to be. Okay, so we look at that out of focus background and we just look at the um, the the cleanliness of the image, how clean an image is. Is it very noisy? Is it grainy? Is it usable? You know, and when you see a photo that you start to think like, ooh, it's starting to be a bit, then zoom out of the image and see if you can still tell, because if you can't. That means that that image is perfectly usable for something like social media or posting it online. But if you're making big prints like, you know, 24 by 36 or larger, that grain may be apparent. And you just have to find where it is that you are comfortable with. Okay, so that is how you get to learn the technical aspects of your camera. There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. 
With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear, like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices. And you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Hmm. I love good water. Okay. Last thing in this three-part... episode on getting to know your camera is asking yourself why you feel limited when you feel limited. So no matter what camera you have, even if it's the top of the line camera, at some point you're going to feel, I wish this camera just did a little bit more. And we know that because they continue to make better and better cameras all the time. And if people just thought, oh no, this one's perfect. This one's just fine in every in every way. Then there would never be a reason for camera manufacturers to upgrade cameras. So no matter what camera you have, you're always going to feel limited in some way, shape, or form at some point. So it's really important for you to figure out when you feel limited. When are you taking an image and you feel limited most? Uh, Because in the beginning, I would say that if you're shooting for a you know, six months or less, like, I mean, six months is really on like the, the, I'm being like really uh, you know, liberal with that time um, zone right there. I th- really think that you should be shooting for at least a year before you even can really form a form a, a genuine opinion on what is holding you back because you truly need to know the tool that you have in your hand before you can even get to the spot. But if you've been shooting for some time and, you know, You're taking photos and you just think, I just can't get there. I just can't get there. This photo just isn't what I wanted it to be. And then you do a, you know, a post image capture review and you think, okay, I, uh, I visualize this photo in my head. I did X, Y, and Z to make sure that I was able to capture the image. I did X, Y, and Z and was able to capture this image in front of me. And technically, it's what I wanted, but something is still missing, and I'm not sure why I'm not getting the image that I want. We need to look at things like perhaps it's light, perhaps it's perhaps it's composition. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's not gear related at all, and you got to learn composition. So learn composition. But if it's something like light, then you need to learn. You know what it is that you got to do from turning your subject towards the light, turning your subject away from the light, um, changing the intensity of the light. And again, I guess that's a, that's, that's a non-technical thing. So, okay. So let's, let's think about once again, like, like what else is there? So you were able to get the shot you wanted, you know, your subject in focus, but you wanted the background to be out of focus. So you went to F, 2.8, you got your shutter speed right, you got your ISO right, you took the photo, and you got it. Your subject is in focus and the background is out of focus. But maybe the background is a little too out of focus. 
Okay, so what is that next step, right? So for you, it's going to be aperture. So if you shot it at f, you know, two or whatever, maybe you want to go to f four. Okay, that's something that you can change. Okay, no, I'm sorry. Let me reverse the situation. <laughs> I got wrapped up in my own thoughts right there. Let me reverse the situation. You have the kit lens or whatever, the 18 to 55, f3.5 to 5.6. So you uh, you zoom in all the way to, you know, 55 millimeters, which means that your aperture is f6. You focus on your subject. You take the picture. You get it. And again, your subject is there definitely in focus. In the background, it's kind of out of focus. But you wish that it was more out of focus. Well, because of the limitations of your lens, you can't get it any more out of focus because f5.6 is the widest aperture that you can get at um, 55 millimeters. So that means that if you want to change up your image and get the photo closer to what you saw in your head, then you have to upgrade Right. This is this is when you make those decisions. In this case, it's going to be your lens. So then you would upgrade to a 50 millimeter 1.8 lens or something like that. Maybe a 35 millimeter 1.8 lens. That, I mean, that's up to you. What 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 whatever it is that you like most in terms of focal length. So then what else is there? Well, there's also ISO performance. If you are shooting with an entry level camera and, you know, we're talking the Canon T series camera. So the T six, seven, you know, whatever it is, or the Nikon, like a 3200 or that series of cameras. When you go out um, and say it's, you know, getting to be, or you're inside, you don't go out, you're inside. And there's like a, a family gathering or a get together or something like that. And you're taking photos inside and you realize that to get a properly exposed image, you have to photograph everything in ISO 3200. And even then, people are still just like a little bit blurry because you can't get in enough light and your images are grainy because you had such a high ISO. That's a limitation of your camera. And that's not something that you can um, easily that. No, that's not something that you can upgrade at all. Like with a lens, you can get a faster lens to allow in more light, which can keep your ISO low, lower. Um, But if you have a a lens like a 50 millimeter 1.8 that can allow in a good amount of light, but you're still shooting at ISO 3200 and you're not able to get in all the light that you need and the photo is really grainy. That is where you have your limitation. That's the limitation and you need to upgrade your camera. But these are the things that will come in time. You know, this is these are the things that you're going to figure out. And then when that happens, then you just make decisions based on what is the what's what's appropriate in this situation. Right. So if it's your lens, just get a new lens, you know, save up for a new lens. But if you think that it could be ISO performance and not your lens, then it's going to have to be the camera. So figuring out when you feel limited by your camera Figuring out what situations your camera shines in and what cameras, again, it feels limited in is going to make you a a, a better photographer because now you're not, you know, if somebody asks you like, hey, uh, can, you know, um, you know, my daughter's having a birthday party. Can you, you know, come over and take a few photos? You're going to know that, oh, if it's inside, the photos are not going to be good. They're not going to like them. Um, That's going to reflect negatively on you. You know, unless you get something like a different camera or a flash, which if you're not comfortable with flash is a whole nother ball game right there. But 
again, knowing your limitations, uh, knowing what situations your camera shines in and does not shine in, is how you get to know your camera. So let's go ahead and recap what we learned today. Step one, take an hour or so to go through your camera's manual. There's going to be things like, you know, batteries or whatever that you don't need to... I know not to throw away my batteries in the garbage can. I, I can skip over that stuff. Okay, but then once you find something... Oh, that's interesting. Okay, read that. Read that page. Go through, go through the manual and just see what is available in the manual and read what is interesting to you or what you don't know about. It's going to open up a world of possibilities for you. Number two, spend some time with your camera. Go out. Just get familiar with it. Just just shoot and get it to where it's comfortable in your hand. And then when you get back, do those exercises where you test the sharpness of your lens, where you test the ISO performance uh, of your camera as well, of your sensor, so that you know what you feel comfortable with and don't feel comfortable with when shooting. And then last, when you start to feel limited, ask why you're feeling limited. If your image is too grainy, why is it too grainy? Oh, well, it's because I shot this at ISO 12,800. <laughs> like, of course it's going to be grainy. I don't care if you have a brand new top-of-the-line camera. It's still going to be grainy at ISO 12,800. Um, so wh where do you need to be in that situation, right? And if you need more light, maybe it's time to upgrade your camera. So that is how you get to know your camera. I want you to get out and I want you to fully understand how your camera works because, again, you bought a camera because you see the world a little bit different than every other person on Earth. And you want to capture it in a way that is unique and true to you. And the camera is going to help you do that. But it's only going to help you do that if you know how to use the camera. That's the only way. So please get to know your camera. Take it out on a nice long walk on the beach <laughs> or a nice nature walk and spend some time with it. Get to know it. Get to know each other. See, you know, where where you two uh, shine together and see where you two kind of butt heads. It's kind of like a relationship in that way, right? Photography is like a relationship. I don't know where I was going with that. But, uh, you know, once again, once you get to know your camera, you're going to be able to Break down those barriers between what you see in your head and the, and the image that you capture, allowing you to capture more compelling images. Hey, I really hope that you enjoyed this Rewind episode. I would love to hear your thoughts. Maybe your biggest takeaway, a light bulb moment, or something that uh, you know you are going to be implementing into your photography. You can share it with me by reaching out via the contact page at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. There, you can leave me a voicemail. Now, voicemails allow me to share your thoughts and questions in your own words right here in an upcoming episode of the podcast. Now, there's nothing to download to send me a voicemail. And of course, you can preview what you say before you hit send. You got nothing to lose. So head over to beginnerphotographypodcast.com to send in your voicemail now. That is it. Until next week, remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a review in iTunes. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week.